Um, I want to give you a little kind of update, kind of what we're doing, and, and uh, just community outreach as, as far as a big thing for me, and, and I spend a lot of time in the neighborhood here and, and, and care about this neighborhood, and that's why we planted in this neighborhood, um, was to hopefully uh, reach people from the neighborhood. And so uh, that's kind of been my heart, and, and so uh, a couple things coming up, and the big one is the art crawl that's going to be coming up, and so I'm really excited about that. If you don't know what that is, uh, basically, there's every year, at least last year, I think it was 21,000 uh, visitors that came to St. Paul to check out art and things like that in the cities. Uh, mainly right here in Lower Town is the, is the biggest area. There's actually 12 buildings that um, host artists that display their art, and we're going to be one of them. So in a couple of weeks, uh, this auditorium is going to be filled with art uh, from uh, people from Hope Community Church. We've got uh, several different uh, shows going on. So our, uh, Mike Kelly, he's usually in the back doing sound. Uh, not tonight, that's Kyle. Uh, but Mike is going to be doing some original poetry. Uh, so he doesn't look like a softie, but you know, apparently he's got you know, some emotions going on, uh, which is a good thing. So I hear some really good things about that. So uh, he's actually going to be doing his reading on Friday night. And I'll, I'll uh, share all this again, and we'll but, you know, put a city post and all that stuff about there. But he's going to be Friday night at... Uh, 8 o'clock, yes, Friday night at 8 o'clock, and then Saturday, we've got several different things going on um, at uh, 12.30, um, there's some, oh, Hope Hymns is going to be playing, so we're going to be doing our own band and music here for, we're going to do a, a set here of doing that, um, and uh, obviously it's open to the public, and so, and then we're going to be doing, uh, my mother-in-law, who's actually an organ performance major, is going to be rocking out on that for an hour. And a bunch of different music, classical. She's got some, some Frozen music in there as well. So um, Beauty and the Beast and a bunch of random different things. So I'm really excited about hearing that. She's phenomenal. Uh, so you can come check that out. That's at 2 o'clock. And then at uh, 3 o'clock, Julia, um, I never remember her last name. Her, her music name is Christiane. I'm going to say that. Uh, she's performing at three, and she is in the worship team. She's not tonight, uh, but uh, she, she sings a lot as well. So excited to have those four performances, um, and then it's open from 6 to 10 on Friday, and then from 12 to 8 on Saturday, and will be closed on Sunday. Um, but we're really excited about this. One building not too far away had 5,000 people walk through their doors last year. Um, so this is a really great opportunity. We've sponsored it, so we've got uh, Hope Community Church and First Baptist Church. Our name has been getting out into the community. That's been the hardest part about planting a church here and starting here is we don't have any signage. Even though it's great uh, visibility, there's clearly a church here. Uh, nobody knows that we're here. And so this is a great way to hopefully get that, get that out there and get going. And so I'm really excited about that. There are a couple needs that I have with that. Um, if you're willing and, and want to come do that, we're just looking for six, um, looking for 12 people to do uh, six two-hour shifts. So you could do two people at a time. I just need like a welcome. We're going to have coffee and water, and then we've got flyers and things. There's like balloons. They gave me so much stuff. I didn't realize what I was signing up for when I did this, but they gave me a lot of stuff to, and just to kind of hand out to people when they walk in the door. Um, and then we'll be having, you know, just having all of our art and the artists that are in here displaying their stuff. So we'd love to have you be part of that. Uh, and, and even if you don't, don't want to participate in it, um, come and, and view the art of Hope Community Church, but then also view the art of the community. I mean, there's just with, you can see other buildings that people will be in and, and showing their art as well. And just a great way to, to meet some people from the community. And so looking forward to that. So if you're interested in that, just talk to me, shoot me an email, something like that, brian at hopecc.com. Love to, uh, love to chat with you about that. So um, anyways, getting really, really excited about that. Um, another cool thing that we're doing. Yeah, go ahead. So it's April, sorry, April 27th to 28th. So just in three weeks here, less than that. So they're exactly three weeks. Well, less than that. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, so that's, that's when that is. Uh, there is a place, a new business that's opening up right across from the Buttered Tin, if you're familiar with that, is, that's just two blocks. So right across the street from that, there's a new business going in that's called Creator's Space, and it's basically an artist co-op membership type deal where you, you sign up for a membership, but they have a, a painting room with all the supplies, photography room with professional cameras and lights and all that stuff, and pottery, and they put you know, trainers and teachers there, and there's a guy who will fire it for you. You don't even have to know how to do all that stuff. Um, so there's, I don't have no idea what the membership fee is, uh, but they have all these things. Anyways, they, they, uh, I met with, I met, knew this, this, uh, couple that had started this business, uh, through the art crawl. I'm like on the board of the art crawl who knew. And, um, so I met them and she invited me to, to go look at it. And, uh, it's amazing the remodel they're doing to that space and, and for the neighborhood and the community. And there was one particular area where she said, this area is going to be called the, the philosopher's room. And we really want to have a safe place to talk about um, spiritual things and the meaning of life. Would you be interested in, in leading that? <laughs> yes, yes, I would, actually. Um, so it's really cool. So I'm really excited about um, just being able to get into the community. Um, and it's for skeptics. It's for non-believers just, just trying to figure out life. Um, and then, you know, I'm not going to lecture to them at all. I'm just going to ask some questions, and they want to get lectured to. They just come to church, right? Um, so that's not the point. But to be in the neighborhood and start meeting some people. So it's been a rough go six months, but I think um, now hopefully we're going to start seeing some groundwork with that. So if you have more questions about that, uh, feel free to shoot me an email. And I'm really excited. And even just supporting the local businesses and, and that kind of thing in the area. So that's that. Okay. Um, I want to, uh, another thing, this, this isn't uh, connected necessarily with the message or the art crawl or anything like that, but this past Tuesday was the 50th anniversary from when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Um, I wasn't around for that, obviously, I'm not even close to that age, but a lot has happened because of that man and, and, and some amazing things. And I don't want to bring this up because it's the trendy thing to do or it's the cool thing to bring up right now. Uh, because there's some uh, incredible tensions that are still going on, obviously, clearly between um, racial reconciliation. If there's one thing about the, about the book of Exodus that I've been learning, I've been reading all these books that have been really helping me and exposing me um, to my um, ignorance to a lot of these topics and, and points on, these, um, uh, on racial reconciliation. And, and so I've been doing a lot of reading and about the man, but um, this past Tuesday, uh, the Gospel Coalition did a big thing and they had a lot of speakers that came and talked about what Martin Luther was doing and what we could do to move forward um, to help those, uh, the problems and issues that we still have in this country because of race. And so um, Pastor Kaur and several other elders, they got together and they watched this on, on Thursday, uh, excuse me, last Tuesday. And uh, you can go on to, if you just Google Gospel Coalition, you'll find the website, but it's, it's gospelcoalition.org or thegospelcoalition.org. And uh, you can find all the videos on there. And um, Pastor Cora this morning, he, he said that, you know, I don't want you to, you know, don't just say I'm going to watch them all because there's a lot of them. But if you can watch one or two, uh, do it. Uh, and, and I've started to watch some of them. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal and heartbreaking. And at the same time, the gospel is the hope of the world. And so we can move forward and we can help uh, one another with that. Um, so uh, that's, that's a big thing. And, and, a, and part of it, and, and Cora mentioned it this morning, that... Um, Looking at, looking at the book of Exodus, um, I guess Pastor Cora reached out to um, uh, Dr. Mason. He's in Philadelphia, uh, pastor out there, and, and uh, African-American pastor, and got in touch with a couple of his associates and said, and just asked him, hey, we're going through Exodus right now. I would love to have a commentary uh, written by an African-American pastor. And um, they said there just aren't any. 
And um, it's not because they're not willing or wanting to have a resource like that uh, from their perspective because African Americans are able to uh, appreciate the book of Exodus, I think, in ways that I, I, I just can't wrap my mind around, that I have not uh, been enslaved, my people have not been enslaved. Um, and as recently as you're talking 50 years ago of the Jim Crow laws, um, this, the gentleman said there just aren't any. And I've been reading a book called Doctrine and Race, and in there, it gets me very frustrated with my upbringing in some ways um, because all the schools that I attended, these small, independent uh, Baptist schools and churches, or at least the schools, these Christian schools, were all founded in the late 60s because once integration started to happen or desegregation, um, the wealthy, affluent, um, Christian, white population said, well, then we're just going to go start our own schools. We're not going to mix and, um, and that was me. That was part of that. I obviously had no idea um, that I was growing up in that, uh, but that, that was it. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, so if you have a chance to look at that. So I, it's, it's funny, I wasn't planning on doing this, but actually the first slide I have tonight is actually of Southside Baptist School um, where, I, where I attended for a year. Uh, it was a uh, small school, to say the least. Uh, this is uh, 2016 ISCS State Champions. I didn't go to this game or, or didn't, didn't even know. I thought the school shut down. I didn't even know there was a school anymore, but apparently it's still uh, around. At least it was in 2016. And uh, so it's in the south side of Chicago. I went there my sophomore year of high school, well, fourth and fifth grade, and I went back for my sophomore year. And uh, I had nine people in my entire sophomore class, okay? So that's it wasn't homeschool, okay? It was like a school, but there was, there was only nine of us in my class. And, um, and apparently this is their whole basketball team. Um, it was the same way for me. We, we were just a really small school. Uh, we were not good at sports, but we kind of were because you only played other really small Christian schools, you know? Um, and so it, it ended up being, being okay, but I was, I was trying to find a picture of the building or maybe from an old yearbook and find a picture of the, I don't know, my basketball team. Couldn't find anything. Apparently cameras weren't invented back then. And and so, but the guy all the way on the left, all right, that is Coach Bell. Apparently, he's still the coach there. Mo Bell is his name, and he was also my Bible teacher and my geography teacher uh, and my basketball coach. And, uh, you know, it was, it was funny about um, high school basketball, especially at a small school. Um, you know, I was six foot two, so I was the center, right? And in any other school, I would have been a point guard, right? But because our schools were small, I was the big guy. And so, uh, but we were bad. We just weren't, but we weren't that, that great. But, but I thought I was really good, all right? I was a shot blocker. I mean, I just, I just would do Kembe Mutombo, everybody. And I remember one game in particular uh, that we were playing a, a, a homeschool um, co-op. Is that what they called, maybe? And so they, the homeschoolers would get together and they would, you know, do things together that you couldn't do, obviously, by yourself. And so they had a basketball team and we, they just wiped the floor with us. Uh, this group of homeschoolers just annihilated us. And I remember in this one particular game, I mean, I'll, I will never forget this. A guy comes driving baseline and I just, and I block it back out. Well, some other guy caught my block. He comes, drives. I block it again. They come again, and I finally block it out of bounds. So I get three blocks, like big monster blocks in this one play, and I'm just pumped. And I, I look over to uh, uh, Miguel Perez, who was the uh, bookkeeper, you know, taking the stats. And I was just, you know, being an arrogant sophomore kid. And I said, uh, I said, how many blocks is that? Seven, eight? And he goes, uh, six. And I was like, oh, shut your mouth, man. And then, of course, one of their teammates comes over to me and says, um, scoreboard. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know we're, we're getting annihilated right now, so it doesn't, doesn't matter. 
That guy, Mo Bell, I'm, I can't believe they won this, this championship. So the IACS stands for Illinois Association of Christian Schools. Uh, that's a thing. My wife went to a school that was part of Max and Minnesota Association of Christian Schools. And uh, so maybe, maybe you've heard of that, maybe you haven't. It's okay if you haven't. But that guy, Mo Bell, uh, apparently he got better as a coach or at least got some better athletes on the team. Because I, I remember before games, he would literally say to us, you're not going to win this game. Just do not embarrass me. All right, that was his... That was his pep talk. Just do not embarrass me. And, and we, we embarrassed that. He would just walk out. He would just leave. And we would just be, all right, <laughs> hey, I need a sub. I'm tired. Oh, it was ridiculous. Um, it was funny because at that time, I thought I was really good, right? I remember we played this one school, Homewood Christian, and they were good. They had three uh, D1 scholarship-bound athletes on their team, and, and we, we thought, I thought I was a good athlete and just constantly was getting crushed down. And tonight it may seem like a stretch, but that's what happens to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's going to sit here and think, I'm, I'm a god and I'm powerful. Look at these people. Look at, what, look at what, how much control I have. Look at my influence. No, I am the son of Ra. I am God. And the real God is going to show up and that is going to be Yahweh, the great uh, the I am. And so... Uh, this is our 11th week in the gospel, uh, or in the, <laughs> I do that every week, in, in the book of Exodus, the gospel according to Moses. And so we're, uh, we're going to be talking about the plagues again. This is only week two of the plagues. We've got two more weeks coming. So if you're visiting and it's just like, man, this is heavy, like death and pain. Um, yeah, we've got more of it and worse of it coming. But, but we're going to point to Jesus, right? That's the whole point, uh, that if we don't talk about Jesus, then we're wasting our time here. And so we're going to make Jesus the hero regardless of what passage we're in. And so just to kind of recap, because it was two weeks ago, Pastor Steve did the first three uh, plagues. And so we're going to want to kind of recap and, and maybe talk about a different uh, uh, aspect that he didn't bring up. Not that he missed something, but I want, to, I want to bring some other things up as well. So again, the quote that we've been reading almost every week, what, what we're going to see is that God will bring uh, the Israelites out and redeem them in such a way that everyone will know, everyone will know that he is God, that he is going to look at Pharaoh and say, uh, you're nothing, and I am God. So um, going back, this goes back several weeks, um, but God, Yahweh says to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, All right? Pharaoh thinks he's a God. I'm going to make, excuse me, I'm going to make you his God, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet, and you are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. And so uh, going back again from uh, Peter Enns, it may be helpful here to understand this through Pharaoh's eyes. In Egyptian royal ideology, the Pharaoh was considered to be a divine being. So by calling Moses God, Yahweh is beating Pharaoh at his own game. It is not the king of Egypt who is God. Rather, it is the shepherd and leader of the slaves who is God. And then, of course, we get the, it's the Incredible Hulk versus uh, Loki, right? Loki saying, I am a God, right? You are all beneath me. And the Incredible Hulk grabs him and slams him around, and he, just, and he walks away and says, puny God, right? And that's what God is doing here. You are, a, you are a puny God, and your gods of Egypt are puny. They're nothing compared to the creator of the universe because there is only one God, and it is not... <laughs> these gods of Egypt. So again, these 10 plagues uh, looked at the blood and the frogs and the, uh, the gnats or the lice. And then this week, we're going to be looking at the flies, the livestock, and boils. So again, I want to go back 
and look at the different gods. Um, I spent a lot of time at the Black Dog Cafe, if you're familiar with that, in the kind of corner of the lower town over here. And um, I just was steeped in ancient Egyptian religion. I mean, like, I, like, I know this stuff. I feel like I can read hieroglyphics now. I mean, I, I, I was really in deep in this stuff. Um, and so this guy, I brought this guy up a couple weeks ago, the Apep, right? The snake god who literally stands for, for chaos. He's basically the, like the arch enemy of uh, Ra, who is kind of the main big god of good and love. And, and he's the sun god and, and provides for his, his people and kind of the creator in that sense. And, and this Apep snake is chaos, and so what we see happening is when Moses goes into Pharaoh's space and he throws his staff on the ground, that his, his staff turns into, uh, the translation we get is a snake. But when we get into the Hebrew, it's more of a dragon or a, or a water sea monster, something like that. And the, and, the, and the snakes that they produce, the magicians produce, are snakes as we would know it. So this, we see God showing up saying, you want chaos, I'm going to bring chaos. And my chaos is going to destroy and devour your little puny apep chaoses that are in front of me. And so that's kind of how it all starts. So going back two weeks, blood frogs and gnats. Again, I'm, I could be pronouncing these names totally wrong, but um, that's what I'm doing. So um, happy, all right? Happy is the god of the Nile. Um, happy, uh, maybe, uh, maybe that could be it. Um, he, she uh, is the god of the Nile, so this is a, a poem that is written to happy homage to thee, O happy, thou appearest in the land, and thou comest in peace to make Egypt to live. Thou art the hidden one, and the guide of the darkness on the day when it is my pleasure to lead the same. Thou art the water of the fields which Ra has created. Thou givest life unto all animals, and makest all the land to drink unceasingly as thou descendest on the way from heaven. And that first play, God turning the Nile into blood, says, Happy, this one that you think can give you water endlessly? No, I am God. Let my people go so they can worship me. The next one is Heket. Um, she is a goddess who has the head of a frog. Um, I don't know why, but uh, she does. And so what's interesting about this, and I did learn this, the hieroglyphs, the tadpole equals a thousand, okay? Because they have, it's, it's abundance, right? It's, it's, uh, they, they reproduce in abundance, so that's kind of what she's known for. Uh, she was thought to be the wife of Kunum, the god who created men on his potter's wheel. And she gave the newly created being the breath of life before the child was placed to grow in the mother's womb. She was also regarded as the wife of Horus, the elder of the Miss of Osiris, and she was represented at the funeral as a frog, symbolic of life and fertility after death. Right? And again, here, you think you've created man, you think that you've breathed life, I'll teach you, and I will send incredible swarms of frogs. And these first two, the magicians were able to reproduce. They could do this. But this third one, gnats and lice, could not. And, and it's hard sometimes within these, the gods of Egypt, to find like a one-for-one, one, right? Okay, God says um, lice, so therefore that is, you know, a slam on this god. And this one was kind of a hard one. This is Geb, who's just the god of land in itself. Um, so he was often depicted as a goose, okay? He looked like a man, but had like a, just a tiny little goose neck head. Um, and the first sound was the honking of the primeval goose as it laid the world egg. The creator hatched from this egg, and the two halves of the shell became the earth and the sky. 
And he is supposed to bring a blessing to the land and over the fruit and vegetation and that kind of thing. And then out of this land, we see this destructive lice or gnats that um, just completely overwhelm the Egyptians. And this one, the magicians cannot do. This one, the magicians have no idea how to reproduce what this is. Um, and so that's where we're at. Okay, so that's where we were. So this week, uh, looking at more plagues. All right, so flies, livestock, and boils. And so, um, yeah, so we're just going to pick up here. So flies or swarms, this could also mean a swarm as well, um, that just, just massive swarms of, of flies that come and overtake the Egyptians. And so uh, this first portion here, then Yahweh said to Moses, get up early in the morning, and that's going to be important later, get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh as he goes to the river and say, to him, all right? So this should sound familiar, right? And I think if you've been around since the beginning here of Exodus, we see a lot of repetition here, right? And again, this was, this was given to the people and spoken to them orally. This was not uh, written down. People were not reading this story. So there's repetition happening uh, to what's going on here. And so uh, this goes back to uh, just chapter 7. Go to Pharaoh in the morning, and as he goes into the river, confront him on the bank of the Nile. So we see more of this uh, reputation. All right, but now there's kind of this ultimatum, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, this is what Yahweh says. So Moses now says this to uh, Pharaoh. This is what Yahweh says. Let my people go so they may worship me. I think that's a, an interesting phrase there, too, that they may worship me. I think in my mind it was, oh, I can see just, you know, that Charles, Charlton Heston or someone, you know, slamming their staff down just saying, let my people go. But then doesn't finish it, right, just to worship me. Right? It's not just, hey, they're not just going to be gone. They're going to they're worship me, and that's going to come up again as well. If you do not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and your officials, on your people, and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians will be full of flies. Even the ground will be covered with them. And I really like what uh, Peter Enns says here. Um, oh, sorry, I don't have a footnote. I don't know where it went. I apologize. Um, the word is used in Exodus to refer to the release from Egypt. Let my people go. In 716, Moses announces the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent, right, the Hebrew word there, uh, has sent me to say to you, let my people go. All right, let my people be sent. It's the same word. All right, so the word play in 821 uh, takes a move, uh, takes a more threatening tone. If you do not let my people be sent... I will send swarms of flies on you. It's as if Moses is telling Pharaoh, listen, one of us is going to send. Why don't you make it easy on yourself and send the people so that I don't have to send the flies on you? That's not what happens. And we see Pharaoh doesn't let them go. So then, God responds. But on that day, which is interesting, saying, hey, one of us is going to do this, so I'm going to send the flies. But when I do send those flies, it's only going to affect, affect the Egyptians. And there's something happening now where, where, where Yahweh, the creator of the universe, is saying, I'm going to make a distinction between my people and your... i just read the verse, let him, let him do the talking. But on that day, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen. That's where the Egyptians are, or excuse me, where the, where the Israelites uh, live since they came down with um, Joseph 400 years before. I will deal differently with the land of Goshen where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there. So you will know that I am Yahweh. I am in this land. 
and I will make a distinction between my people and your people. The sign will occur tomorrow, right? There's a lot of control. There's a lot of power. I'm going to do this thing tomorrow. And I'm going to make a distinction with my people. And, the, and then Yahweh did this, and dense swarms of flies poured into Pharaoh's palace and into the houses of the officials throughout Egypt, and the land was ruined by the flies. And so we get to this god now, uh, Kefri. Uh, he was the god of the morning, all right, which I think is interesting because God tells Moses, go to Pharaoh in the morning, greet him by the river, but he's also the god of, of bugs or flies. He was represented as a dung beetle. Uh, if you're not familiar with what those are, they are beetles that uh, roll little balls of dung, okay? Make a little home for their babies, and they, lay, they hatch their eggs. They, I've learned a lot today, this last week. They put their eggs uh, in the dung, and they make this perfect little cylinder ball, and they roll it around with them wherever they go to keep their babies happy. And then when the babies finally hatch, not babies, they're larvae, whatever the phrase is, they hatch, they have food to eat. Um, and so the Kefri was, was represented as, as a scarab or as a dung beetle because um, he would actually, their, their, the stories was that he would grab uh, the sun as it set and he would roll it, you know, wherever it needed to go, and then he would push it up again in the morning. And so he was a dung beetle and represented the morning and swarms. So there's a lot of interesting correlations here that it seems like Yahweh is saying, I win. You've got puny gods. So Pharaoh compromises. All right, he, he says, okay, then, then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron, and Aaron and said to them, go sacrifice to your God here in this land. All right, so I know you said let my people go and you want to worship. Okay, well, I haven't been letting you go, but maybe if I just let you worship, right? Let's, let's settle on something here, right? And I love, love what Moses says in response, but Moses said, that would not be right. The sacrifices we offer Yahweh our God would be detestable to the Egyptians. And if we offer sacrifices that are detestable in their eyes, will they not stone us? Okay? Pharaoh probably didn't become Pharaoh because he's stupid. Well, I guess it could have been hereditary, like, you know, so never mind. Maybe he is stupid. But I got a feeling he knew exactly what he was doing when he said this. I want you to stay in my land, okay? Because that would have been illegal. Right? They were not allowed to worship their God. And if the other Egyptians would have said, hey, what are you doing? You can't do that. I'm going to kill you. And so I think Pharaoh is making a power play here. Maybe I can wheel and deal here and convince you that you can worship here. And yet Moses says, I'm not stupid. Right? I know what that, exactly what's going to happen if we did that. Verse 27, we must take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to Yahweh our God as he has commanded us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go offer sacrifices to Yahweh your God in the wilderness. All right? He's saying, I'm going to let you go, but you must not go very far. Now pray for me. All right? And again, he's not saying, hey, pray for me. I want to get to know Yahweh. It's not what he's saying. All right? He's saying, I want you to get these flies out of here. All right, so go. Get out of here. Don't go far. I'm planning on you to come back eventually, but you can, you can go. And then we see this on repeat of Pharaoh taking back again his word. Moses answered, as soon as I leave you, I will pray uh, to Yahweh. And tomorrow, again, the timing here, there's control of Yahweh demonstrating his power. And tomorrow the flies will leave Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Only let Pharaoh be sure that he does not act deceitfully again by not letting the people go offer sacrifices to Yahweh. Okay? He's already done this before. 
Don't do it again. I'm warning you, do not do this again. Then Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to Yahweh. And Yahweh did what Moses asked, and the flies left Pharaoh and his officials and his people, and not a fly remained. But this time also, Pharaoh hardens his heart, and he would not let the people go. And it immediately brought me back to um, lamb chops. If you remember the story or uh, this TV show, I forget the woman's name, but she was a ventriloquist, and she would um, sock puppet um, lamb chops, which is a terrible name for a, a sock puppet that's a lamb. I don't understand. Like, I love eating lamb chops, but I, she's so adorable. Maybe that was the point. Maybe she wanted us to stop eating lamb chops. I don't know. Um, but there was a song at the end of uh, the, 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 the program, right? And so you, you can sing it along with me. This is the song that never ends. Yes, it goes on and on, my friends. Some people started singing it, not knowing what it was. And you'll continue singing it forever just because it is the song that, all right, it just goes on repeat, 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 right? And that's what Pharaoh's doing here. He's like, yeah, I'm letting, yeah, 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 go ahead, man. You guys are free to go. Oh, no, I take it back. That's not true. Ah, yeah, you can go. Ah, no, it's not. You got to stay. All right, and you're welcome. You're going to have that earworm in your head all night long. All right, now we see God um, changes here a little bit. He used this phrase, the hand of the Lord. There's something now that's going to be different about this next plague compared to the other ones. And Yahweh said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. Again, they're going to worship me, but they're also going to be sent out. If you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of Yahweh will bring a terrible plague on your livestock, in the field, on your horses, donkeys, and camels, on your cattle, and sheep, and goats. And Yahweh will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. And this is important. He's saying they're going to leave and they're going to worship me. How are they going to worship me? They're going to offer sacrifices of their own sheep and cattle and lambs. But if you refuse, I'm going to take your own animals. I'm going to make a sacrifice of your own animals. And, and again, just another little quote here. It says, the hand of God... To deliver the Israelites is a common term in Exodus and is normally associated with some mighty act of judgment. This is the first plague in which this term is used, and it concerns the first plague that directly causes death. All right, that is the first plague, direct, uh, it's the first plague directed against created things. Plagues two, three, and four used created things, not this one. Death is going to come. And it's going to judge the Egyptians. And so this is Hathor, the goddess of love or protection. And she had a very interesting story. I'm probably boring you to death with this stuff. I was a history minor. I, I just, I love this stuff. Um, she was the sister of Sekti. Sekti was created by Ra. And Sekti would, had no self-control and had bloodlust for humans. And she would slaughter human beings by the thousands. Uh, Ra said, you got to stop this. And he can't stop her. Okay, there's a huge difference between Yahweh uh, and Ra, okay? that he doesn't have the power to stop his daughter. So he devises a plan with the other gods, and I guess they just brew uh, thousands and thousands of barrels of uh, red beer, um, and they pour it into a valley, 
And Secti thinks it's blood, so she goes and drinks it all very fast, becomes inebriated, passes out, and when she wakes up, she is now Hathor. Completely different, love and protection, and she's depicted as having uh, the head of a, of a bull, right? That she is supposed to uh, deal kindly with people as, as, as an animal, right? And, and be gentle with them as a cow is. That's not what happens, all right? God... God's hand is against the Egyptians, and so again, God makes a distinction. The Lord set a time and said, again, tomorrow, Yahweh will do this in the land. And the next day, Yahweh did it. And all the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one animal belonging to the Israelites died. There's a distinction happening here. There's something about the God of the universe, even to this day, says, if you're my people... You're going to be dealt differently than if you're not my people. And it doesn't mean, right, we're not talking health, wealth, and prosperity. Hey, you're a Christian. Well, good for you. Give me some seed money tonight. God's going to turn it into $1,000 tomorrow. Right? That's not what I'm talking about. Right? He's saying that maybe not in this lifetime, but someday, if I'm in Christ, things will be different. The last God that we're going to look at tonight is, is Isis or medicine or magic and and um, she was to oversee the pharaohs, even this sculpture as a pharaoh sitting, seated on her lap. Um, and so this is what happens next after, after the uh, livestock are killed. Then Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron, uh, and again, now there's no warning here for Pharaoh. This is uh, one of those times where uh, he's had plenty of chances. This is number six here. It's round six. He didn't, all the livestock have died and he didn't let them go. Guess what? You don't even need to go talk to him anymore. Plague number six is coming. And so Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron, take handfuls of soot from the furnace and have Moses toss it into the air in the presence of Pharaoh and it will become fine dust over the whole land of Egypt and festering boils will break out on people and animals throughout the land. And the whole idea of the soot from the furnace, it could be a number of different things. Um, it, it could simply just signify um, that the, 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 the kilns and the furnaces that were used to make bricks now that we're going to get some vindication that that's going to come back and cause harm to you. Um, I don't know how important that is, but uh, that's, uh, that's a detail that's given that, that Moses gives. And so verse 10, so they took soot from the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses tossed it into the air, and festering boils broke out on people and animals, and the magicians could not stand before Moses, okay? So again, this, these magicians who have the power over Isis for magic can't stand, it, right? Their gods are puny, they can't stand in front of Moses because of the boils that were on them and all the Egyptians, but Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said to Moses. That's our passage for tonight, all right? Woo! <laughs> Cheery stuff, right? It's just going to get worse again. Like I said, the next two weeks, keep coming back, though. Um, but we're, we're going to, but there's, I think there's some really, really good application points that we can get out of these passages that God laid it on my heart as I was studying these things. And so uh, just some gospel uh, implications. How, how are you like Pharaoh, right? How are you like a, a Pharisee? I think a lot of times when we read scripture, we don't do that, right? We don't, we don't paint ourselves as the bad guy uh, or as the villain of the story, all right? I'm always the good guy, right? I, I'm always the, um, you know, when he's talking about the, um, uh, right, the, the, the gentleman who's at the, and he's, he's praying, the Pharisee comes to the temple and he's praying out loud and he says, God, I thank you. I'm not like that guy. 
And then he prays and he can't even lift his eyes up to heaven and, and, and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Right? I can't even lift my eyes to heaven. And I think we, we read stories like that and we say, yeah, that's me. I'm, I don't, we don't maybe use the phrase, man, I'm so humble. Right? I think that would be self-defeating. But I think that we don't really read ourselves into the story as Pharaoh. We don't read ourselves into the story as the Pharisees. That are there parts of my life where I, where I, I, I worship false gods. That I have idols in my life. And those idols can be good things. Um, there's, there's really good things with art, with, uh, with sex, with work. Those are great things. But if I worship it, if, that's, if it's all-consuming, and I don't use it the way that God has designed it to be used, then I'm just like Pharaoh, and I'm worshiping false gods. And my heart is, does not belong to Yahweh and to God. Um, maybe we think about a hard heart, right? That we have these really intense uh, convictions. And I've got a couple, couple of verses here from Acts 7. This is Stephen uh, the first martyr, right before he gets, he, gets crucified, or he gets murdered, stoned to death, right after he finishes this phrase. And he's talking to the Pharisees, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and your ears still uncircumcised, right? You're, you're not willing to even listen to what you know. You're hard-hearted. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. Right? They killed the prophets who even said the Messiah is going to come. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You've murdered Jesus. You who have received the law that was given through angels but have not obeyed it. I mean, you've, you've had every opportunity in the world, and, and maybe right there we need to stop and reflect and say, uh, am I hardening my heart? Am I being so obstinate about something? Am I convicted about something that I cannot explicitly look in Scripture and say, this is why I have this position. This is why I believe this, but we're not willing to budge on it. Maybe we're hard-hearted. Maybe we're stiff-necked like Pharaoh and the Pharisees. And so it made me think of, and this, this is um, weird. This is the, anyone know what this is? No, this is the logo for 30 Seconds to Mars, uh, the band. Um, Again, it's not a, I guess they're a pretty popular band. You've probably heard of them, but uh, Jared Leto, uh, he's kind of a big deal. I don't know the other guy's names. I, I had a buddy growing up who was obsessed with 30 Seconds to Mars. I named his cat uh, Leto, um, indeed. And so he, he loved 30 Seconds to Mars. And so I, I kind of got into the, do a couple of the albums. And, but there was one album, and I don't remember which one, don't ask. But, and I don't remember what song. But at the beginning of it, it's kind of like the, the uh, microphones were going and recording, and they were just talking. And I don't know who it is. I only know Jared Leto. I don't know the other guys' names. But um, one of them says, um, I guess they must have been having an argument or, or, or something that's not on the recording. Um, but he says, I like that. You've got convictions. And then whoever it was that was talking said, yeah, but sometimes convictions can lead to stubbornness. And I, I just I remember like hearing that and going, man, that's actually really good. Right? Some, some deep insight from one of Jared Leto's buddies, right? That, that there are times where, no, I'm, I'm convicted about this, but yet I'm not willing to budge, right? It becomes stubbornness on so many different levels. And I think when we do that, we become like Pharaoh, we become like the Pharisees. And what we need to do, convictions are great, right? I got a lot of them, but I need to be able to open scripture and I need to be able to talk about them in a way that brings God honor. Um, what about compromising with sin? Right, have we compromised? Kind of, right, going back to lamb chops, right? We're just going to go back and forth on this thing, 
right? God has said, kill it, right? Kill this sin. And I, I love this quote from, uh, from John Owen. It says, be killing sin or it will be killing you. My dad used to have this phrase that where he would always say, uh, I don't think it was original with him, but he would, in the, in the Bible, he would say, uh, either uh, sin will keep you from this book or this book will keep you from sin. And it was the idea of you need, to be in the, you need to be in the word and we need to actively be pursuing holiness and killing sin. That we've been set free because of the cross. Where's the cross? The cross is over here, right? We, Jesus was nailed, not to that cross, but he was nailed to a cross. Why? So we could be free from our sin. Be free. Why? To be free. So don't submit yourselves any longer under that yoke of slavery, of bondage to sin and the law. You're free. So you say, man, but I, why do I always struggle? Why do I keep struggling? I, I can't just get victory over this. I can't win. I can't beat this. Pray, worship God, fight, 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 and kill it. It's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would be a Christian. It's not meant to be that way. Are we compromising on our, um, on our sin? Maybe downplaying it, thinking maybe it's not that big of a deal. I think I can keep getting away with it for a little bit longer. Kill it, right? So uh, the gospel uh, application for tonight. All right, simple. Follow Jesus. Right, follow him with all your heart. Don't be like Pharaoh. Don't be like the Pharisees. Be like Jesus and pursue him with all your heart and kill sin. I think it's one thing, at least for myself, I, I've struggled with. I, I think um, uh, growing up, all we talked about was sinlessness and holiness that we totally neglected grace and love. And so I've swung the pendulum so far and say, man, the gospel, right, it set you free. But at the same time, we gotta, we got to pursue holiness. Right, we got to kill sin. And we get to do that as a community. That's the point of this, right? We're not doing this alone. We're not trying to do this by ourselves. But this is a community. And, and I, love, I love Lower Town. I love this body. And I love that we get to see each other week after week and talk to each other and figure out what's going on in each other's lives and, and share real things. Right? That's what it's about. And I know I've said this a million times, but right, Christianity is not, it is a personal relationship with Christ, but it's not a private relationship with him. And so we get to do this together. So um, will you uh, bow your head and, and pray with me as we enter into a time of worship and communion? Amen. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you are a God who makes distinctions. Thank you that you are a God who is just and righteous, that you have uh, borne our sins on the cross to become both just and the justifier. Um, that you have said, I demand holiness, but I'm going to provide a way through me, through my son, Jesus. And so therefore, I can justify you freely by my grace, not by any works that you have done. So God, now as we enter into a time of reflection, that I pray that we would examine our own hearts. Are we being hard-hearted on things? Are we compromising on areas of sin and, and areas that we shouldn't be? Are we worshiping false idols? I pray that you would just convict, that you would shed light on anybody who's struggling with anything of that and that they would confess that to you as they reflect on what Christ accomplished thousands of years ago on the cross, dying for our sins and setting us free from the bondage and weight of that sin. For it's in his most precious name that we pray. Amen. We're going to be entering into a time of, of communion that we do every week here at Lower Town. And so we have um, bread, which represents the broken body of Christ, and the juice, which represents the, um, uh, the blood of Christ that was shed for our sins. And this is simply to remember what Christ did for us on the cross. 
Um, there's nothing uh, magical or special about this. If you're, if you're visiting with us, I'd, I'd love to have you join us. What I would ask is that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you say, yes, I, I follow him and I want to devote myself to him. I want to pursue holiness. Then I would love to have you join. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you've never had communion before, but maybe tonight, if that's your heart, this could be your first chance for communion. So will you um, uh, rejoice and worship God with us tonight?